We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cast on Road of Is Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Underdog and the Blue Wire Network. Make sure to tune into the rest of the show to get a special promo code that gets a 100% deposit match into your Underdog account when you started up with us, Rotoviz, R-O-T-O-V-I-C. Oh, wait, I shouldn't have done that. Um, Dan. <laughs> Stays in the show. Yeah, double the promo code. Uh, it, it won't. The promo code won't double, but I, I'm going to say it twice um, in this episode, apparently. But Dan, a week eleven, I think, is in the books. We're we're creeping towards. I I tried to make. I, I uh, this is obviously a, a, a conversation we can have at other times. But um, I went to make a trade in the kitchen sink leagues this morning, and I can't because trade deadlines. So I know most people hate them. I. I actually am in slightly in favor of them. I like them to be a little bit later, like once the playoffs start. But um, definitely slightly disappointing when you go to make a trade. It's like, oops, there's trade deadline. Yeah, it's a it's a big topic. I, I see. I, I prefer not to have a trade deadline, but I do get and I understand the. It, it draws interest. It draws you know some some extra attention from the league. So from that standpoint, I like it. It's also nice as someone who kind of is trying to always play in the contender role rather than rebuild. I like to always have the option of going and getting something if I need it. Whereas, you know, with that hard deadline, you kind of have to put your eggs in one basket all at once or just roll with what you've got. So uh, I I like the, the kind of open trading throughout, but... I also get the deadline. It's it's different too, Nathan, because you and I, for the most part, play with people that we either know closely or buddies or um, or that we've handpicked for specific leagues. So we we know we can trust people because that's when you can run into issues with people, you know, selling off a bunch of their stuff for nothing, you know, and not quite colluding, but also helping somebody win a championship for next to nothing. So 
I, I get it. I'm I'm just happy to be able to to still trade in some leagues and understandably not in others. All right, so let's get into some injury slash benching news to start the show. Uh, first, he's a recurring topic nearly every single week on this show. Kyle Pitts is heading to IR with a torn MCL or, or a heavily injured MCL uh, requir- requiring surgery. Um, this closes the book on 2022 for Kyle Pitts. I was thinking this will go a different, a couple of different ways um, for Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is a quote unquote like bust for redraft in 2022. Um, maybe certainly a disappointment for Dynasty in 2022. But what kind of career does Kyle Pitts have that is considered a success? What kind of Kyle Pitts career does he have? We consider a bust in Dynasty. Like if he's not like a perennial top five tight end and 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 redraft you know, 2023 and beyond, that has to be a bust, right? Yeah, I don't think we can call him one. I think the big, the big, like the easy way to call somebody a bust is when they lose all of their dynasty value rapidly. And Kyle Pitts isn't doing that. He's still retaining most of his dynasty value. He's not a top five pick like he was six months ago. Um, And not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but, and injuries aside, I... I would kind of was saying from day one that Kyle Pitts is probably a second contract tight end. Atlanta was always going to be bad. This is always going to be a bad situation, even though people wanted to say, well, look at all the open targets and availability. It doesn't work like that when you're in a team like this. I get it. They should be bad and throwing a lot, but they're not bad enough to be throwing a lot. And also they have Marcus Mariota who can't throw a lot or his limbs will fall off. So um, I'm still in the belief that Pitts is – I hate to use the term, but generational talent, because he is very good. The issue is the volatility of his situation. I don't think Atlanta has any any sort of consistency in its near future. I don't think Arthur Smith is good for an offensive weapon like that. That team is built right now to run, and they're winning enough games to not get a franchise quarterback of the future. Whether whether you not uh, you think Des Ritter is that guy. I don't. That offense with Des Ritter is going to look much more like it does with Marcus Mariota than it would with, say, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, very, very different things. I, I think how it's built now, that team is is going to be kind of that RPO. They're going to be running a lot, whether it's Cordero Patterson or Tyler, Tyler Algier, uh, or they go and get another running back in, in what's you know should be a decent running back draft and or running back free agency. So... I I still think we wait to buy Pitts for his price to come down some because he's still quite expensive, Nathan. If you've gone out and, and made any inquiries about Kyle Pitts, he's still pretty darn expensive, especially as a tight end when it's really Travis Kelsey or bust right now. Uh, it was Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews or bust, and we've got a couple of fringe guys like Dallas Goddard and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, even Pat Fryermuth is is kind of making some some waves here so um yeah as far as Pitts goes it's it's tough for me I'm I'm holding if I have him I'm buying probably I would say early in the offseason as I can uh once we get clearance of you know if he has surgery successful surgery great we're happy there and then we kind of wait for things to kind of die down people to stop talking about him and then we buy. I think as early in the offseason as you can when your trade 
when your trades open back up, if you had a trade deadline or post championship for those that don't have a trade deadline. Uh, I, I think buying Kyle Pitts once kind of all of the news dies down will will decrease his value a little bit. I don't know. There, there is some impact with using points now, though. If if the Kyle Pitts manager needs points now, um, for example, John Bosch, who is like the resident Kyle Pitts lover <laughs> of all lovers, I saw come across the, the the Twitter sphere this morning that he traded Kyle Pitts for Travis Kelsey in a league. And oh yeah. Um, that is a perfect move for both sides, assuming one side is rebuilding, a.k.a. the one getting pits, and and one side is trying to compete for a championship right now, and that's the Travis Kelsey side. So, I mean, like I said, I, Pitts clearly has more dynasty value than, than Travis Kelsey, but in this exact moment, when someone needs those points, it's a little bit different. So if, if you have a tight end that's scoring points, obviously, Andrews, you'd probably want you know, Kyle Pitts plus a decent amount of the, at this stage um, for Mark Andrews. But if you have a tight end that's scoring a lot of points, like even if you have Hawkinson and Hawkins scoring, Hawkinson scoring a decent amount, or you're having Fryermuth and he's scoring a decent amount, you can use that to like make the, the gap between him and Pitts smaller. So you're only doing like Hawkinson in a second for Pitts or Hawkinson and two thirds or something like that. Like, if you're a believer in Pitts being a legitimate, you know, generational type talent, using one of those lower tight ends that are scoring points right now may be a, a correct move. Well, and I, I think setting the expectation that Kyle Pitts for now, whether it was last year, because even last year was inconsistent. The targets may not have been inconsistent, but the output was inconsistent this year, wildly inconsistent. That's probably not going to change until Atlanta has a complete, you know, makeover. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean that Arthur Smith is gone, but they're going to need a different offensive strategy. They're going to need a new quarterback. They're going to need to add weapons because I don't think Drake London's that guy. Um, Calvin Ridley, obviously now gone. So this offense is kind of in no man's land. And now with Pitts on the IR, we're just going to see more of the same rather than, well, what are they going to do without Kyle Pitts? They're going to throw it 18 times and they're going to run it 30 times. That's the game that they play. So yeah, I'm with you though. Uh, If you can swap Pitts for Kelsey, I probably would have done that even without the injury to be completely honest. Um, Yeah. uh, I'm, I'm good with holding. I'm good with buying. If you need the points trying to, or trying to, trying to sell off Pitts to get points. Um, it's kind of one of those times where you can take advantage of his big value that he still is going to hold because of his name and, and the rookie year that he had in total. And you can also just hold, or you could potentially go and buy for a little bit of a discount, uh, depending on what you're trying to do. You might, you might be able to get into a Kyle Pitts share by using Dallas Goddard for, for nothing or, a straight up swap of Goddard or Hawkinson or even Fryermuth, one of those decently young guys that is producing but doesn't have the upside that a Pitts has. I I think those are great moves to make. All right, let's move on to a sad topic for myself, probably a, a bit of a gleeful topic for uh, the one devilish Dan Sanyo. Uh Zach Wilson had one of the worst uh, quarterback outings in football history. Maybe not. Maybe not Zach Peterman or Josh Freeman asked, but bad enough that he's his team. If if his team was playing any other quarterback other than Zach Wilson, they would have won the football game. Um, and that's Zach Wilson. So uh, 
Robert Sala has not even given the the vote of confidence to, to Zach Wilson, saying he doesn't know who he's starting, Mike White, Joe Flacco, or Zach Wilson. My personal opinion on like that decision is there is no point in playing Mike White or Joe Flacco. Like You're just going to destroy any confidence that Zach Wilson has, and you're not going to make the playoffs either way because that division is loaded. And no matter who's playing quarterback for that team, like I, I think the Jets have a very talented team. But out of those three three quarterbacks, none of them are leading leading that team over the Bills or Dolphins, and probably not the Patriots either. Um, so my take is just run Wilson in the ground this year and completely show this guy is not the guy, so you can invest in a quarterback next year. Um, but yeah, my my take on as a guy who who's been buying Zach Wilson for you know the last year or so as his value has cratered more and more. I'm probably not buying anymore. I'm probably done um, because I, I obviously draft capital, yada, 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 but he has just shown nothing like with a decent, like obviously the, the weapons have dwindled Elijah Vera Tucker out for the year, Brees Hall out for the year, but like his good has been like, okay. And his bad has been awful. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's probably one of the least surprising things as far as news goes, like I would have been significantly more surprised if it was, oh, Zach Wilson's good now. Like that would have been surprising to me. I, I don't I never really saw the upside in Zach Wilson as far as like a future potential franchise quarterback. I I, I never I never got that. I never saw that in the film. I, I haven't seen that in the NFL. We've seen glimpses of of decent throws here and there. But and yes, Having, I think, two out of five offensive linemen go down, losing Brees Hall, that's tough. But this Jets team has its best weapons it's had ever, probably. Uh, and, and Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and, and Corey Davis, even. Um, and he's not able to do anything with anyone at, at this stage. He's had one halfway decent game this year that he threw three picks in, but he also had 350 yards and two touchdowns. And that was against New England like um, three weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, that that was really the one sign of of potential light at the end of the tunnel was, well, maybe he's going to get some volume. And the volume hasn't been there, but also the inefficiency, the inconsistency, he's just been straight up bad. He's seeing ghosts. He's hearing footsteps. I, I, I don't think, <laughs> to be honest, because we saw a lot of this last year, Nathan, I don't know that it's it's salvageable. Uh, I I think the Jets have to make a decision on whether or not they think they can win now because that team is talented enough to try to get one of those last couple that that last wild card spot. It's going to be tough. The AFC is is an absolute bloodbath, but I I think that they can win enough games to to grab that last spot. But I don't think they can do it with Zach Wilson because you can't roll Zach Wilson out and expect him to go win a game. And I don't think Joe Flacco is much better, but he's not going to lose you a game. Zach Wilson's going to lose you games every week, it seems. Uh, as good as that defense has played and as strong as they have been, they can only do so much. Holding New England to essentially no points because it was all special teams. Uh, I. I I mean, what more can you ask of a defense? And, and again, New England's offense hasn't been great either, but um, defense wins championships, but quarterbacks lose them. Lose them. So 
uh, I, I think I think I'm I've been out on Zach Wilson. I think that's been clear uh, early on. Wanted to give him hope when they added Garrett Wilson, when they've had Elijah Moore uh, and make add Brees Hall. I thought the weapons would help. The offensive line got better, uh, but all of those things have started to go away, and we haven't really seen a big change in Zach Wilson's play. He's just been bad the whole time. So um, I think if you can get any sort of value out of him. I'm not opposed to selling now, but at this point, the value is probably low enough where it doesn't make sense to sell. It'll probably just hold and you either yeah. bite the bullet the, or you you know, you know get something on the other side. I think if you're selling Zach Wilson right now, the, the move would be to do, to pair Zach Wilson in a second and hope you can get a first. Because there, like, there's not really any sense in, in trading Zach Wilson for a second unless it's an early one. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take the bump up from, like, the 204 to the 107 if I can do that. I don't even know if, it, if he carries that much value anymore. But he does still have the first-round top-five draft capital. And he isn't benched yet. Like, I mean, maybe by the time you're hearing this, he's benched. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at, at the very least, I am stopping my, my buying of Zach Wilson. Um, granted, it's not like people have been, have been selling for any sort of like cheapness, and maybe, maybe they are now. Well, they, they're um, not selling, Nathan, because you own all the shares of Zach Wilson. <laughs> I, I actually don't. I only have him like two or three leagues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll put the, I'll put it this way: if I can trade like three thirds for Zach Wilson, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> Let's put it out. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Send Nathan an offer of of your Zach Wilson for his eleven thirds, and he will trade them. Um, what, what, what about this? Would you trade Zach Wilson for say Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford? Uh, no, I, I don't, cause I don't, I don't want to start either of those guys either. Aaron Rodgers is done. Stafford is concussed. Like, <laughs> like the, the own, like maybe Stafford, if I'm like, you know, thinking 2023 is my year, but like those, those guys, like I, I have no interest in rostering either of those guys right now. Yeah, I'm smash accepting again because I, I don't I'm almost never going to have a use for Zach Wilson as like a well, we'll hold on and we'll see. I, I'd rather just have whatever points the other guys can provide, because even though they're both washed and trash and dead, they're scoring 10 times what Zach Wilson's scoring. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's where my like draft capital youth is going to come against me where I'm not going to take the, the slight bump in points now. Um all right, let's go to Justin Fields, uh, who has an injury that's either day-to-day or out for the season. Um, I, I think that this this may heavily be impacted by the fact that the Bears are not competing for a playoff spot in 2022 right now. Um, so what are your thoughts here? Do you think they they, they shelve him for the year? They, 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 they let him sit a few weeks? What are, what are your general consensus on what, what happens with Fields the rest of the year? Well, considering how they've been using him over the last six weeks or so, I, I don't really think they have a choice. I think you have to shut him down. If you're going to put Justin Fields out there and expect him to run it 12 to 15 times and not continue to just re-injure that injury or get hurt more or hurt something else, um, I, I think I think this Chicago regime is is in a much different place than it's been. I think they're going to be smart enough to shut fields down until he's a hundred percent, whether that's, you know, the end of this year, which would not make any sense at all, or just 2023, you let him get fresh, you let him get healthy. And 
we continue what he's been doing, just absolutely going crazy on the league with his legs and being just good enough with his arm to to keep you know the defenders at bay. So uh, I think not only should they, I think they have to, and I, I think that's a smart move. Um, you know that offense isn't going to do any. any you don't have you're not going to lose anybody to not playing Justin Fields. I mean Darnell Mooney. Sure, I, I still think he can be fine with whatever the backup quarterback is. Uh, the running backs, whether it's uh, Herbert or it is Montgomery, uh, then nothing's really going to change there. I, I think the red zone efficiency of the team obviously will be hindered quite a bit. Um, but I, I just I don't think for long term it's really changing anything. Uh, obviously, short term that that hurts fantasy upside quite a bit for pretty much everybody. But I, I'm I'm. As far as Justin Fields goes, I'm looking in the long view. I, I don't I don't really care about right now because we're seeing the steps moving forward of him being a great player, not necessarily a great quarterback because he's probably a, a below average quarterback, quote unquote, but because of his rushing ability, he's a great player and he's an amazing playmaker. So let him get healthy. Let him make those plays in 2023. Yeah, I, I... I'm certainly not counting on I, in my leagues that I have Justin Fields. I'm not counting on points from him in 2022 at this stage. I'll take anything as a bonus if he ends up coming back later in the season. Um, but yeah, long term, I would probably just rather ha- have him sit out for the year. Um, also, that gets him closer to like getting Jackson Smith and Jigba or you know whoever wide receiver one is in the 23 class. The worse the worse the Bears are, the closer we are to getting that. And just imagine Justin Fields and Jackson Smith and Jigba together. Oh wait, we've already done that. <laughs> um, uh, granted it was for one year, but, um, still, uh, I, I think that the bears have to lock in a wide receiver one in the first round. I don't think anyone is, is debating that. Um, and Cole Komet kind of came alive there, at, uh, towards the, you know, towards the, you know, uh, breakout of Justin Fields. Um, so as we transition it, as we look at Justin Fields and Cole Komet, are those two guys that you might want to be looking at stacking in underdog if we're looking at uh, best ball season next year? I think that's a perfect kind of stack. It, it's it's been pretty apparent that Komet has been one of Fields' favorite targets. Obviously, we've we found some success with Darnell Mooney as well. But these quarterback tight end stacks, when you can find that advantage, because tight end is so scarce and those points just aren't really available anywhere. When you can find them in a situation like that, where you could run Justin Fields alone and be happy with all of his points because they don't really have the weapons yet. But with Cole Komet on that breakout, that's a perfect stack. And we love stacking our players on underdogfantasy.com where best ball drafts are, are still happening in your three man, your six man. Uh, there's, there's in season stuff. You have all of the pick em games offseason is the bread and butter in, in my opinion but these these pick em games are, are still very 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 fun and you can do all of this again at underdogfantasy.com and if you use our code rotoviz that's r-o-t-o-v-i-z you're gonna get a 100 percent bonus money match on your very first deposit so up to $100, obviously. But if you put in $100 on your first deposit, Underdog's going to say, hey, you know what? I got you. Here's an extra C-note. Here's $100 extra, and you don't have to wait for the money to hit your account. It's pretty much instant. There's no trickle down, no, well, you got to keep spending your money in order to get this. No. Your first deposit, you put in 100 they put in 100 You have $200 to play with. 
responsibly, of course. So again, go to underdogfantasy.com, type in Rotoviz, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z for your promo code on your first deposit and get free up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into a player that's quickly becoming one of the most polarizing players in all of fantasy football, and it is one Tony Pollard. I'm gonna, I'll start this conversation off, Dan, uh, by I'm going to just say the the lines for Pollard so far this year: four points, nineteen points, ten points, one point, fourteen points, seven points, twelve points in the last three weeks: thirty-three, twenty-one, thirty-six. Now I know we we've had, we had the bah humbug of. Um, him being tired after 10 touches. Um, hasn't seemed to be an issue the last three weeks. 14, car- 14 carries, 15 total touches, 20, 25 total touches, and 21 total touches for Tony Pollard. And he has been doing it with great efficiency. So, Tony Pollard, I, I know we talked about this. I, this was my take when we first started talking to Tony Pollard a few weeks ago. I was saying Tony Pollard is playing his way out of being affordable on on the Dallas Cowboys because they don't have the money to spend on, on a second running back because of Zeke. There is zero chance the Cowboys can now afford Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's going to be getting the Jarek McKinnon, the Lamar Miller type contract. Well, I, I see, I'm not going to go that crazy. I, I don't think he's going to be getting like top running back money. I do think that he's going to be too expensive for Dallas to retain. Um, and unfortunately for them, he's unrestricted. So he is, uh, I would say, effectively no longer a Dallas Cowboy come week whatever, 18. But I also still think he's best suited as your, and not necessarily a change of pace guy, but just he can lead a committee. I'm not I'm not doubting he couldn't lead a committee, but I, I think it's a 50-50 committee type guy. He would work really nicely with someone like, I don't know, Derrick Henry, who can smash between the tackles for 25 times and then let Pollard come in for another 10 and also throw him the ball six or eight times. We've seen him make the big plays. We know he's special in space. 
We we know all of those things. I still don't love the idea of smashing an undersized back into the line 20 times a game. We we saw that once against Green Bay. It it went okay, but I I I don't think that's sustainable for a full season. I would love to be proven wrong because he's really fun to watch and he's been really good these last few weeks, this last month. Not to say he's been bad for his career, but uh, it, it also seemed like Dallas kind of changed their scheme a bit to work towards Pollard rather than have Pollard run Zeke's plays. So that to me was a big change, and I, I think that's a big reason why he's looked probably better over the last month is Zeke goes out and they reframe their offense around Pollard. And they still have the Zeke plays for when Zeke plays. That worked out nicely. Uh, but now you have a whole new package where Pollard can do his own thing, get in space, run deep routes, run wheel routes, do all of these extra things that he wasn't necessarily doing before. So while I love this short term in Dallas, uh, he's not going to be a cowboy in 2023. I, I can essentially guarantee that. I would I would put a very, very large margin that he is not a Dallas cowboy. Finding him a good home is going to be tough because most of the good homes are taken up by good court, by good running backs at this point. So we'll see. I, I don't hate the idea of buying, but the question becomes, what are we buying for? Yeah, I I think I'm officially willing to give a late first, like a late first in a mid-second type. Like, uh, I know Ryan McDowell, whenever there's these vast change of values, he always you know, post a bunch of comparison polls. And in most of those polls, like he's comparing Pollard to like top like nine to 12 running backs. And I'm not there yet, um, but the, the the draft capital price that was a mid first. And I think that that has to be the absolute ceiling to pay for, for Tony Pollard is a mid first. And my, my mid first, I'm, I'm talking like 107, 108. There's no chance I'm giving 105 for Pollard right now. Um, and I know that obviously that some of those things are still up in the air with draft with uh, draft picks being formed. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I would say this now is the time to shop Pollard uh, because, and obviously that, that might be self-explanatory because, you know, he's having a breakout, yada, yada. But what if he does go back to Dallas and he's still stuck behind sharing with Zeke? What if he like goes to like Minnesota and like shares with, with, Dalvin Cook, like there, there's a very good chance that he is a one A one B situation. Um, in which case, when he signs, he's not going to be worth a mid first anymore. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere that has an established RB one. Uh, I don't think he'll be back in Dallas because of Zeke, unless they say, "Hey, we're done with Zeke. You're the guy." Which, unless they Todd Gurley the man, I don't see that happening. I don't think a Minnesota is in the in the cards. I think they're going to be more of a, a drafting a young back, letting Madison go, obviously yeah. keeping Dalvin. Um, I, I don't see a world where he, unless he's vastly overpaid, which could happen. There, there could be a world where he gets that bag and he goes to a, a you know bad situation. I think. This is going to be one where he goes to whoever he thinks is going to give him the football best. Baltimore wouldn't be a horrible option. I, you know, who knows what that cap situation is going to look like? Who knows what J.K. Dobbins is going to be? He just seems like in just an injury at this point. Um, maybe Philadelphia. Are, are they done with Miles Sanders? Even though he's looked pretty good this year, there's there's enough good offenses 
that could use Pollard, but I don't think there's any great offenses that are going to pay him. Um, because most of those, you know, you have your Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey in, in, in San Francisco, Nick Chubb in Cleveland, uh, again, Derek Henry in, in Tennessee, but I think a Pollard type works really well with Derek Henry, Minnesota with Elvin cook, Cincinnati with Joe Mixon, like it, Kansas city, I think could be, if they can find the, the money for him where we could see Pollard absolutely explode. Uh, I mean, we saw somebody like Daryl Williams do really well, and Tony Pollard is Daryl Williams on steroids. So I think if we can get Pollard into Kansas City, we all cross our fingers and and hope uh, at this stage if they can find the money to do it. Or maybe he goes to a place like that because it's Kansas City, because it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that offense. Um, I mean, then you you got a potential RB1 overall in Tony Pollard rather than hoping just to get a top 12 running back in Tony Pollard. So uh, I'm I'm cautiously buying if I can get in for that late first. I don't think that gets it done, though. I think people are going to be pushing to have him priced in that DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, uh, even Najee zone for for, you know, kind of in that group. So I think we'll, we'll before we move on, we'll finish with this, Nathan. Uh, let's just like a couple of names. You tell me whether you'd rather have Tony Pollard or this person. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're going to start high. And I know I already know the answer to this one, but I want to see if I get any sort of thought coming out through your eyes. DeAndre Swift. Swift. <laughs> okay. That one was easy. Derek Henry. Henry. Okay. Ramondre Stevenson. Pollard. Okay. Najee Harris. Harris. Javante Williams. Pollard. Dalvin Cook. Cook. Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. All right, last one, Joe Mixon. Mixon. All, all, all those guys, I all, almost all those guys, I'm guaranteed to get RB1 touches in 2023. I, I, I think it's likely that, that Pollard gets RB1 touches, but I'll put it this way. He'll get NFL RB1 touches, but he's not going to get fantasy RB1 touches. Yeah, no, I, and I see, I think I'm on board with that. I think there's a couple of outlier teams like Kansas City where he'll get both. Um, I, I, but I, I kind of went through and, and grabbed some of those guys. Aside from Swift, I grabbed Swift because I, you know, your yeah. <laughs> infinity for, for Swift, even though I think Jamal Williams is going to be a thorn in his side for some years. Um, Jamal I Williams of, is a free agent. We're going to talk about that in eight seconds. They're re-signing his ass. <laughs> All right. Let's do a quick Detroit corner. Jamal, uh, Jamal. Jamison Williams has returned to practice as of Monday. DeAndre Swift is battling red zone touches with Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a pain in my butt. Um, <laughs> they're both very good running backs. Um, Swift is averaging like six yards a carry on the season. Jamal Williams is has the most touchdowns in the NFL. Um, so I am currently of the happy belief that Jamal Williams will be going elsewhere and DeAndre Swift will get full RB1 workload in 2023, but you're telling me that's wrong. I, I don't think anyone has appreciated Jamal Williams until now. Uh, I mean, he's one of the best all-around running backs in the NFL. 
He blocks, whether it's run blocking or pass blocking. We've seen those guys on the field together. He can run between the tackles. He can catch the football. He's a red zone threat. He's he's wherever you need Jamal Williams, he's going to be. And unlike most quote unquote star players, even though he's not quite in that star player category, he's a has a big role on what's been pretty a pretty good offense. Everyone around him loves that guy. Most of these types of players are people either like dislike or like, ah, whatever. He's he's fine. Everyone Jamal Williams speaks to, goes around, is on a team with, absolutely loves the guy. So I think I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a bold statement here, Nathan. I don't know if Jamal Williams is going to be a Detroit Lion. But what I'm going to say is that Jamal Williams gets paid more than Tony Pollard this offseason. That's interesting. I I think that if that's the case, and it's something that we talk about a lot of the time when we talk about early breakouts and things like that, the NFL cares more about touchdowns than we do. Um, so the NFL might look at Jamal Williams, 13, 14, 15 touchdown season, and be like, oh, that guy's like a, a true blue RB1, um, and see Pollard as like, okay, that guy's, you know, 1A, 1B. But I, I still would, like, if I were placing a wager, I would place a wager that, that Pollard gets slightly higher. But it's still running back pay. So it's going to be like, Pollard gets paid like six point one million, and Jamal <laughs> Williams gets paid six point two million. Like it's not like they're going to be breaking any any team's bank either way. Well, and here's the other other wrench to throw in to the mix: DeAndre Swift is a free agent in 2024. Do they pay Jamal Williams now and let Swift walk? Because if you can get Jamal Williams for five and a half up to six and a half, let's say that's the window for Jamal Williams. Swift is going to want eight, probably. Yeah, no, Swift, Swift might get 10. Right. So do you sign Jamal now and let Swift walk and still have that double-headed monster in 2023? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the question there then becomes, like, how how valuable do you think, you know, 31, 32-year-old Jamal Williams is? Well, he's, what, 26, 27 now? Pollard's going to be 26. I, I thought Jamal was like 28. Hold on. He's 27. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be 28 in April. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be, you know, if they're paying for him, they're paying for his late 20s, early 30s. Which, in, in, in Jamal Williams' case, because he really wasn't used heavily early on, is probably his prime. He's probably at the beginning of his prime right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, give me a hot take for Jameson Williams. Uh, I think he is a top 25 wide receiver uh, by the end of the season. What does that mean? Top 25 points or top dynasty. 25 dynasty? Okay. Dynasty value. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at dynasty rankings recently um, to see where James Williams is, but I do think that all of the first round wide receivers pretty much belong in that top 25. If, if, if I had to look at it, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that my hot take for Jameson Williams would be that he is the most valuable not named Chris Olave at the end of the season. Um, obviously, that would require a decent breakout over these last few weeks, but we still have a few weeks left in the season. So I, I, I will say this. I think that Jamison Williams has the highest ceiling not named Olave the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's, there's a chance 
because of Detroit and because Goff, when he is playing well, that offense is fun. And, and when he's not, I mean, they're pretty abysmal. But that that team is going to be contending. They're going to be throwing the ball. They need to throw the ball. They have no one to throw to outside of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams right now. Jamison Williams is walking into one of the best potential situations because Detroit's still trying to win. Dan Campbell hates losing. Whether that's good or bad for the organization, Dan Campbell does not like to lose. They are going to try to win every single football game at whatever detriment to the team it may be as far as draft futures go. Um, they're committed to the jo- the Jared Goff bit at this point because they hate losing so much. So I, I think Jamison Williams could, let's say he plays the last six weeks or last six games for them. I think there's a decent chance he's a wide receiver one in those last six games. All right. And let's wrap up the show with a a trio of wide receivers all having some big games. Uh, Christian Watson has scored a bunch of touchdowns the last couple weeks. Traylon Burks had his breakout as he's finally healthy and the Titans offense starting to get something put together. And also by something put together, I mean Tannehill's back healthy and Malik Wells is absolutely terrible. And George Pickens is doing kind of the things we were kind of expecting at the beginning of the season. Yeah, Pickens for me was was kind of that guy where it was either it was going to go really, really well or he was going to be James Washington. Um, I, I think Pickens is just another uh, another guy on that Steelers tree of just amazing wide receiver talents that they are able to just go and get. And they got him for a steal. I mean, he he was right there for me with with Burks and and you know a lot of people loved London for you know the obvious the prototypical wide receiver one build, uh, and he had a nice late breakout as well. So uh, I, I think realistically, it probably would have been you know, uh, Olave and then Garrett Wilson and then some some combination of Burks. Pickens and and then Drake London, but uh, Pickens for me is is moving his his way up the list rapidly. I, I think he's 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 fringe wide receiver one or or getting there. I think he's right there with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and I think Burks being back and catching passes makes a huge leap as well. I I, I think the last time we spoke was about Traylon Burks being last because. Well, he has been on the field, and I, I think we – and obviously Jamison Williams is right there as well. But I think Traylon Burks moves his way back up in my rankings, uh, even with just this short little bit. Him being on the field and catching pass is important. Ryan Tannehill sucks. We get that. But I think Burks has a clean line to wide receiver one type usage, and I think Jamison Williams, when he returns, will be on par with that. So – um the one that's weird for me is is Christian Watson. I, I don't really have a take on Watson at this stage because Green Bay is a weird situation. It's hot and cold with the pass catchers. We never know what Aaron Rodgers is going to show up. And Watson's been great when he's being targeted, but uh, that seems inconsistent as well. Yeah, my my take on Watson here is that he does seem like a forgotten injury guy that we probably should have been trying to buy a little early in the season, but I'm still iffy on, iffy on his NFL prospects. Like, I don't think that this proves that he's any sort of like 
top 24 wide receiver or anything like that. Not, not necessarily that his price is there either, but like, I think that he kind of profiles as more of like a boom bust type play and the Packers are leaning more toward bust than boom. So um, I would lean towards selling. I, maybe this is kind of just confirming my own priors a little bit, but I would lean towards selling Christian Watson right now. Um, if people are, are putting him along a similar value as Jahan Dotson and George Pickens, because I'd much rather have those two than Watson. And it doesn't seem like people are at that stage yet, but if we see a couple more, like, and the other part of it is that basically all of his production has been touchdowns and we know that isn't sustainable. Um, so yeah, if, if you can use Watson to, to get into one of these other, you know, lower valued, like early wire receivers from this class, or even like a pick, like, you know, if you can get any first for Watson smash except right now. And yeah, so I think that the, the move is either using him to, to get a higher value 2022 wire receiver or trading him for a pick at 23 at 23 and, and picking up one of the first one receivers there. Yeah. And I know that's out, out of, you know, out of range for sure. Recency bias is a hell of a drug and, and people that just look at box scores or even just look at the fantasy totals. I mean, they, they have no idea that he had four targets and three touchdowns. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's part of the bit. So I think, um, I, I think moving off of Watson isn't a bad move. I think if, if you believe that Rogers is a staying in green Bay and B can bounce back and this offense can be better and more consistent, um, then fine. Hang on to Christian Watson because there's, there's a chance that, we're going to be talking about Watson in a few weeks, the same way we were talking about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson a month ago. Uh, you know, but I, I would guess uh, in my in my heart and my soul, I, I don't see him as that guy. I, I think uh, he's he's probably more of an NFL wide receiver two type. But if you get on Rogers' good side and he sticks around, that's historically been a pretty good place to be as on Aaron Rodgers' good side. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for today. We will talk to you guys next week. Have a nice turkey uh, if you're listening to this before Thursday. If you're not, hope you enjoyed your, your Thanksgiving leftovers. Any last words, Dan? Move Brandon A. Yuck up your dang rankings. He's too low, folks. Oh, boy. Hot take to get out the building. A. Yuck. All the Shanahan, the greatest weapons to ever be seen, according to Twitter. <laughs> uh, that should wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.